Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. Today on the show, I talked to Elizabeth Banks. Uh, she was on the show back in 2013, episode 352. A lot has happened for her since then. She's been directing and producing films. She's been very politically active. She's been a game show host. Currently, she's in the film called Jane, which is now playing in theaters. I enjoyed that film very much. And I was excited to talk to her. I get—I don't know why. She's just one of those people I feel familiar with and feel like, you know, I, I, uh, I get along with. So it was kind of a fun chat. Uh, this is Monday. You're listening to this on Monday. Tomorrow is Election Day. Vote. If you haven't voted, I imagine many of you have already voted. I imagine most of the people that listen to this show are voting tomorrow or have already done so. Uh, look, I don't, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's not good. It hasn't been good since 2016, really. Whatever we were hanging our hope on, if you had any, which I didn't, uh, was just some kind of placeholder. And that placeholder, I don't know if it really worked out. It doesn't seem like it did. And I had some realizations in Texas. I really did. Of all places, Texas, I had the realizations and I'm doing shows. and I got several DMs, several emails from people, you know, more than usual, saying, look, I was almost too depressed to go to the show. I, you know, I'm barely holding on. I don't know what to do. These are people who live in Texas, so it's compounded a bit there. And they felt better. They felt less alone. They felt, you know, uh, a certain amount of joy to be seen because of the nature of, of why I do comedy. That's all you can do, man, if you're a creative person. I went to the Rothko Chapel in Houston. Look, I was in Dallas. I was in San Antonio. Stayed at a funky hotel. Ate some good uh, barbecue in Dallas. Stayed at a weird hotel in San Antonio. I always enjoy Houston because some rich fuckers, you know, made a lot of nice parks and, and have a, owned a lot of nice art and created a, a lot of nice museums there. And the Rothko Chapel is there. Mark Rothko, uh, the brilliant abstract artist. And this is all coming together for me because, you know, I dated a painter, Sarah, who did beautifully colorful paintings, abstract paintings. And at some point we talked about it and she painted almost as an antidepressant. It came from a place to sort of to kind of like, you know, shine a light into her own darkness. And if you look at Rothko over the arc of his career, you know, the colors he used for a while, you could see the same thing happening is that there are these floating sort of shapes in these kind of uh, almost like um, 
uh, abstract mists, you know, just two or three colors, usually, you know, rectangular, floating, uh, no edges. And to me, it was to me, it was it was perfectly uh, uh, peaceful and had a tremendous effect on my on my disposition. I can stand in front of a Rothko for for, you know, 20 minutes. So I guess I, it seems that Rothko was commissioned in 1964 to do these 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 paintings for this spiritual space that was designed by Philip Johnson. It's a non-denominational chapel, all faith kind of spiritual space is what they call it. And there is, I guess like 14 murals. If you call them that there are large canvases, abstract and very Rothko-esque. And what was fascinating about this visit to the Rothko Chapel is I'm thinking about all these things. I'm thinking about what am I really doing? You know, I'm not a huge star. I have, you know, my fans and and my relationship that with them is very specific. I'm trying to keep my shit together. That is the theme of my work. And I'm trying to see things in an honest way or in a different way to shed light on things as I keep my shit together. And and those are the kind of people that enjoy what I do. And what I do provides something for them. It makes them feel better. It's heavy, but I got some heavy people. Emotionally heavy. Sensitive people. Empaths. People aggravated existentially about things totally out of the control that seem to be coming down on them every day. And I go to this Rothko Chapel, having been a fan of his and having been there Many years ago on my first traveling, like probably 35 years ago, and it's been renovated a bit. But I realized this is a spiritual space. These are huge murals, huge pieces that surround it. It's not, it's almost octagonal. I, I don't, I don't know what shape it is, but they're on every wall and there's benches and you know some sitting pillows if you want to do that. And they're huge. And they take up the whole wall and they're dark. They're deep purples. They're, they're a, a kind of, um, multi-layered black purplish things you know some of them are lighter than others but when i was looking at them this time in this spiritual place and when you think spiritual you think uplifting and i'm looking into the fucking abyss in these paintings you know people get married in this place they meditate in this place and it's not uplifting it's a quiet space but at that point i believe mark rothko that the colors had gone out for him. They had gone out. He did the, the, the Seagram's commission for the Four Seasons Hotel after that. And that, those are some of my favorite paintings of his. You can see them in the Tate. And the light is gone. It's like it's bleak as fuck. But it's true. And it's his truth. And whether it was coming from his mind or not... He was such a capable artist at that point that he could speak for the human spirit. He owned part of the human spirit. He could represent part of the human spirit and you make your choices. If you pay your dues and you do your shit and you keep putting your stuff out in the world, keep creating and you are are gifted with some sort of talent, then you speak for the human spirit. That's part of the language of art. And I didn't realize until this time in this life and what we're all dealing with and what he was dealing with at the time, I think his health was fading, you know, and he was, you know, not well. He committed suicide in 1970. 
And he didn't see the completion of this thing. I don't know when he completed the canvases. But the truth he was seeing, the part of the human spirit he was representing, was the darkness. And he brought to that darkness his craft, and he created a context for it, and framed it, and elevated it as a fundamental existential truth. But sitting in that chapel for me at this point in time was not uplifting, but it elevated my spirit to be in the realization of profound darkness. And there's a Zen to that, and because it was captured and framed and done with a master's hand, it spoke to my heart. It speaks to the heart. It is a plane that is meditative, but it's ethereally bleak. And you can build from that. So whatever you bring to that place, to those paintings, to the art of darkness, you can reflect in that. And it's a hell of a foundation to see your life against. It might be the purest vision of your life and who you are framed against darkness, against the abyss, against the bleak unforgiving universe and that to me that realization was tremendous i walked out of there like i get it man i get it and i thought about what i do not that i'm rothko but why why do i fester in the pain of whatever i live with and in my fear why do i work from that space because that's how i contextualize it that's how i feel it emotionally that's how i put it out there and i make it funny so it sinks in, and then you see yourself, what's at the core. And then I went to the Museum of Fine Arts over in Houston. They had this Philip Gustin, I think that's how you say his last name, Philip Gustin, show, and I never got his stuff completely. It was sort of cartoonish, but I never saw the entire arc of his his paintings. And, and I got that too. Again, you know, he's dealing with racism. He's dealing with figurative clansmen in cartoon modes in his paintings. And this sort of kind of weird, cartoonish chaos, it was all there. You know, power, oppression, terror, all there. It, like, it just, the whole thing blew my mind. The trip to Houston was elevating and completely relevant in light of what we're dealing with and what's going to come down probably tomorrow. So how do we keep creating? How do we keep, not hope, but how do, we, how do we hold on to our humanity, to our spirit in light of the worst parts of the human animal succeeding and taking power? It's a challenge, but it's been met by generations and generations and generations of creative people who find a way to elevate the human spirit. I don't know if we can do anything politically, but 
It's time to fucking uh, connect. It's time to fucking find that part of you that cares about people. For real. I'm talking to myself, man. So, yeah, vote. We'll see what happens. But prepare for the fucking worst. So, look, this movie that Elizabeth Banks is in, it's quite intense and real. It's historical. It's about the uh, Call Jane was a service that there were women who were providing abortions for people who needed them when they were illegal. And uh, it was just a group of women. Some learned how to do them because that's what needed to be done. So it's totally relevant to the situation we're in now. It's not the exact same situation. There are other options now, but it does really connect you with what it means when women have no fucking rights over their physical autonomy. And she's also got other stuff going and she also has hope. So don't let my negativity, (laughs) don't let my negativity uh, bring you down because this conversation is pretty chipper. This is me talking to uh, Elizabeth Banks. Call Jane is now playing in theaters. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. How are you? I'm great. Yeah? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm tired. Wow, this is going downhill quick. (laughs) (laughs) We started great. I just want to be honest. And then we're okay. And then we're tired. (laughs) Do you want to add some more words? (laughs) You know, you just get to a place of exhaustion that's constant. I am there, but yeah. you have, how old are your kids now? Nine and 11. Oh, so that's Yeah, it's doing real. It. It, yeah. And, and um, you know, and I just came back from New Zealand. I was gone a long time, so I'm also catching up with Where my were life. you, New Zealand? I went to New Zealand to make a film. Is it that cocaine movie? No, that I made in Ireland. So wait, so what was going on in New Zealand? Or I, did you buy a house? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to give up on uh, the okay. U.S. just yet. Oh, wow. I Good won't for be, you. I won't be one of those people. I'm going to fight from the inside. That's right. going to well, be my I, plan. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. It, let me know what I can do from Canada <laughs> to help you. What was going on in New Zealand? I made a movie called A Mistake. And this is just acting? Yeah, just acting. You didn't produce it? Nope. What, what's it about? It's based on a best-selling book about a surgeon who makes a mistake in surgery and all the ramifications of that. My dad was a surgeon. No kidding. I I actually knew that, I think. People look for mistakes. 
Well, there, there's a whole business around uh, that's, trying to find mistakes. That's uh, that's part of it. So, was the how was that experience in New Zealand good? Um, yeah, it was. The people were amazing. The place is beautiful. It was winter though. So. What does that mean? Snow. It was raining a lot. Mm. It was cold. Mm. Pretty much every day off, it poured rain. So I didn't explore as much as I would have liked to. Yeah, here it's. I hear it's beautiful. It is. Yeah. That's not where I would go, by the way. No. It's. A, I don't have that kind of money. I, you know what I don't understand is these rich people who want to, you know, kind of bunker in. It's like, what, what are you going to do with that life? Yeah. Why would you want to be fucking alive for that? I don't know. I know. It's I sort of we did thing. it. We survived the thing. Let's go outside. Like, well, it's not rushing anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know. They're in the bunker. Yeah, just hanging out. Also, but like, what are they doing? I don't it's know not like doing. we're not making TV at that point. We're not entertaining anybody. We're not doing anything. I no. guess like it's like a strange love. I I don't know if they're going to just reproduce the next wave of I don't know what happens. All I know is I'm a little freaked out. Not just about fascism, but about the water situation. I just I mean it's mostly. It's, of course, it's real. Yeah. It's crazy. How many pictures of a half-empty Lake Mead do we have to see before? I don't know. They're going to find some more bodies in that thing, too, don't you think? How they're, many more they're bodies? Finding, I, I, like, I like that spin of all the drought of these news stories of like, look what we found. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> That's the spin. Yeah. The world but is ending, but it's so cool. But we're, we're, yeah, we're rediscovering a yeah. bunch of mafiosa-killed yeah. apes. You know, in Mississippi, they found Civil War belt buckles. Yeah, and in uh, I can't. There's some prehistoric shit happening. Oh, they're we're gonna they're cool. gonna unearth the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. And all the woolly mammoths, like where the ice oh, is melting, that yeah. actually that kind of blows my mind. That all of it, like even if they find like a sneaker or a shoe from like two thousand, <laughs> three thousand years ago, you're like, wow, just a shoe <laughs> from a, a guy who was walking along, and then just yeah, that oh. is so, end. What was that? Uh, before we get into the uh, the depth of it, uh-huh. whatever that's going to be, but like, so what is this cocaine movie? Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I I want it because it it was Leota's last movie, huh? Yeah, and you directed it. I did. Yeah. What's that movie about? It is about it's it's uh, inspired by a true story. Yeah. Um, there are multiple podcasts about this story. Uh, and other is that where you got the idea sort of from a podcast? It. The writer and I, I read a, I read the script. The writer yeah. got the idea from um, an article, I think, or a magazine article, maybe, about this drug runner, infamous drug runner named yeah. Andrew C. Thornton. He has a really fascinating story. Um, he was, he was like a, an entitled guy um, from the South. He was the lieutenant governor of Kentucky's son, I think, is yeah. what the dad did. But anyway, he he was a paratrooper in the army. He was like a lawyer, and he was in law enforcement for a hot second. Uh-huh. And basically, he was in narcotics. Yeah, and started running drugs for the Colombians. Huh? Flying planes. Yeah. His mo was that he would dump the drugs out of the plane for yeah. people on the ground to yeah. pick up, and then he would parachute out of the plane because that's what he did in right. the army. And then he then the plane would get ditched because right. you know what was the plane? Yeah, a couple yeah. hundred grand, yeah, and like he's got an eighty million dollar drug run. Mm. So they so he was hard to find hard to track yeah and um he fell out of this plane one day and died dead on a in a driveway in in kentucky and so (laughs) they so they knew he'd done a drug run right that night right so it's like there's more he had some drugs on him we we had got the police report 
And yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. very true to life yeah, what yeah. we do in the movie. Yeah. The way he's dressed is yeah. exactly how what he year was is dressed. It? 1985. That's an interesting time it for It was clothes. actually September 11th, 1985. We don't, okay. we don't mention too soon. So we don't So you, you directed this. So you had to get yeah. the, the, the set deck and the wardrobe person to get that yeah. weird mid 80s clothing. Correct. Although we didn't, I didn't go too, too crazy. I, I didn't want to fetishize the 80s. No, no, you know I know. What but I mean? like, but, but it's still a little different. Yes. It's a little different. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. September 11th. So basically, that guy, that guy dies and the, that's all true. And then the other true thing is that three months later, they found a black bear dead in the middle of the Chattahoochee forest who had consumed like 70 pounds of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they did a necropsy on the body and like every internal organ was like exploded inside this poor uh, animal. I know it's, it's terrible. So our story picks up the day after he's dropped all the drugs in Chattahoochee and tells the story of the bear. <laughs> I found the drugs. <laughs> so it's like a Disney Pre-death. movie. It's a Disney movie. <laughs> it, no, it's a universal movie. Does it have a perfect like, universal? No, but I mean, movie. like, is it one of those things where you have to like, and then the bear crossed the. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bear eating honey, but yeah. then, it, but it's actually just coke, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Bears partying like Scarface. There's other bears around at the yeah. table. And uh, you got to see it. Talking it's, about his day. It's got. A, it's a. I've seen it with an audience, and I couldn't be prouder. Actually, really? the they ride of the ride yeah. that I've created. Yeah, yeah, I'm really proud of it. Because when the last time I talked to you was like a, a million years ago, and you were yeah. just—I think we talked about uh, surrogacy more than anything else. Oh yeah, you yeah. hadn't directed movies yet. You were just I... acting. You'd done a couple shorts. Yes, that's right. But then I—I I think I directed Pitch Perfect too. By at that point, hadn't I? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Hold on. Maybe. I—I I, I think I have it. 2015, 2016. Well, I don't think that. I think it was like. 2013. You no? might be right. I had I had babies before I directed. In fact, I was just looking at it was the 10 year anniversary of Pitch Perfect. It was 2013. There you go. Wow. Had See, not directed yet. You had done nothing. Now I've done three feature films. That's crazy. I know, right? But you were producing Pitch Perfect, and then like yes. boom. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And that was like, that's like good business. <laughs> <laughs> Pitch Perfect is pretty good business. <laughs> yeah. You know, we made something people really like. But it's so joyful, those and, freaking films. I love them too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's nothing and, wrong with making people happy. Yeah. Yeah, if you can. Just make people happy. Entertain people. Sure. Why not? We're all going. <laughs> well, yeah. Let's make it a little easier. <laughs> but so you started the production company with your husband? Yes. When was that? That was be, that was on the Pitch Perfect. What did you do that no, for? No, we Pitch did that. We didn't know. We made a, we produced a movie called Surrogates, starring Bruce Willis mm. back in the day. That was our first film that what we was did he, What together. year was that? Oh, God, 20... Yeah. I don't know, oh, okay. 2012, something okay. like that. Okay. So, yeah, we've ha- had the company a long okay. time. Yeah. And I remember we talked about uh, you being mostly Jewish. <laughs> yes. Did, yes, did a Jewish through? home, a Jewish home. Did you follow through and get the full Jew? I, I, did you do I the ne- full Jew? I never mikvah I never had a mikvah. No, I know, but, but you but, did the conversion classes? Yeah, I did some classes, yeah. My so, kid is about to start his uh, his bar mitzvah oh, really? situation, yeah. <laughs> We're going through with it. <laughs> We're sticking with it still. <laughs> so, but is your husband religious? He's religious enough. You know what it is? He It's cultural, no? It's cultural. Yeah. It's like, you do it's it. his parents. Right, of course. Right? He yeah. can't call his father and be like, I'm not going to have a bar mitzvah right. for a kid. Never going to happen. Right. Right? He just can't disappoint so you're in the parents. Yeah. So now you got oh, a kid. No, no, we're totally in. in we the do bedroom. Shabbat. We love Shabbat. You do the Shabbat. Love Light it. the candles. Of course. Buy a challah. Fridays. Yeah. Buy the challah. Do you make? Have you ever made a challah? I 
I have not made a challah. I haven't either. I would like to braid bread, though. Yeah, why not? I don't think it's that tricky. I, I think well, you could do it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't do breads. I don't really do breads either. Do you cook? Yeah. Hmm, no I bread? I like to cook. I can do the, like a quick bread. I can do one that doesn't involve yeast. I've not fucked well, with that's, yeast. Well, that's my thing too. The whole yeah. rise and yeah. the special drawer Sounds people have. Chemistry. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Irish soda bread, I can nail that shit. Wow. Yeah. I got some good recipes for yeah, Irish brown I, bread, very, Irish soda first bread. First of all, I love an Irish brown bread. You're right? speaking, those, that's my people. I'm 99% Irish. Do you like the sweet one or just the brown bread? I like them both. Oh, yeah. The sweet one, though, with butter. Come oh, no, on. No, that's the best. A little warm yeah. with the butter on it. So you shot that movie in Ireland? Cocaine Bear we shot in Ireland, yeah. Why? Just We shot Ireland for Georgia. <laughs> we, what was the, now, what was the incentive of that? Uh, it was a literal tax incentive. It, to, to shoot in Ireland? Yes, it was cheaper to shoot in Ireland. Because you could have shot Georgia. in Georgia. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was cheaper a little. It actually worked out. And frankly, Georgia, there was a bunch of hurricanes last summer. Oh, yeah. And it rained a lot in Georgia. Right. So we actually kind of lucked out with the weather. Where, where? What part of Ireland? Just south of Dublin. Great. I stayed in a place called Dalkey, which is where um, Bono lives. Oh, and yeah. And like other famous, like Enya lives ah. there. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Really what was their big few, song? There's really only if a few famous. Yeah, that's it. Oh my gosh! Wow, you. I can't remember it. what she's saying. I don't either. It all sounds. Did Bono come say hi? Nope, did not. Wasn't around. He's he's no idiot. He spends. There's no summer really in Ireland. Yeah, it was the high of 72 was the highest it ever. That's got. perfect for me. He spends the summer in an actual summery place, probably like yeah. the south of France. I think something. I'm going to interview him. Oh, you should. I don't know if the I, I don't know if the, the the structure can contain it. <laughs> what does that he's, mean? I don't know. He's just like a, he's Bono. I've met him. He's lovely. Is he? Yeah, and All he right. cares about you Things? Know, the world. And yeah, he wants to make a difference. Like, uh, oh, sure. God, Bono, he's the best. Yeah. So, how long were you in Ireland? Five and a half months. Oh my God. Yeah. Did you buy a house? Did I buy it? Well, you, I, I just want to keep asking you if you really buy houses. You really want me. If, if I, my husband's interested in, in Portugal, I can't, that, I, I can't that, pretend that's not true. Are you really going to do that? No, I'm where, not. The, where you can just pay for your citizenship and go to a place where no. you, you, you have nothing in common with anybody and be like part of that kind of weird uh, upper class culture of <laughs> expatriates? <laughs> no, I'm personally not doing that. Have you ever, are you just going <laughs> to let him go with the kids? He, he, can, he can buy it and get the citizenship just in case, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, who's gonna har- nobody's nobody's gonna fuck with Portugal. I, I, it's who too knows? nice. I ju- I just I just applied for permanent residency in Canada, which is like a green card. That's, qu- that's I'm willing to do that. Wow, well, not an option, I don't think for me. What are you talking about? Well, how would you? How would I do that? What do you mean? It's what, they're what, not going to take everybody in Canada. No, of course. Well, I, I know. <laughs> I I would just like to be taken before I have to show up as a refugee. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't want to be, you know, with my bag and my my uh, Jewish star armband, trying to figure out <laughs> how to get out that, of the America. That might be coming back. Yeah, I'm sure I'm, it might be. Unreal. Do you feel like, as a partial Jew, as someone who's Jew adjacent? Yeah. Do you feel uh, uh, the, the anti-Semitism? The, yeah. Of course I do. I have young boys that are Jewish. Yeah. yeah. You know, have yeah. a Jewish last name and yeah. practice Jew like are Jewish. Yeah. yeah. The um, and went to Jewish preschool. Yeah, and man, you know there are, there were certain days when that armed guard outside the school. I was like, "Yep, good. Yeah, let's have that." Yeah, it's uh, it's scary. It, the whole thing is fucking scary. Yeah. But I mean, like, I really um, I really liked the movie, the Call Jane movie. Thank you. I really did like it. Thank you me. were great in it. 
Thanks. Yeah, I'm proud of it. Yeah? Yeah. I did loved... you produce that one? Nope. Oh, just, just acted. acted. Just acted. In like, it. where did, because I had just seen not long ago the documentary. Yes, the Janes, yeah. Right? on Was it HBO, I think, or somewhere? I don't yeah. remember. It was, and I, I never knew anything about it. But I thought the movie did a very good job. Like, it was well written. It's beautifully written, yeah. Yes. It's um it's like a slow burn too of like this. Isn't she a playwright or the she, woman? Uh no, she's a screenwriter. Okay. She's a, Academy Award nominated for Carol. Oh, that's right. That yeah. that was a great movie. Great movie. Also kind of a slow burn, yeah. But like writing for women for real. For real, for real. Yeah. Woman writing <laughs> she can for do women. It. Yeah. Um it was it was beautifully written and I thought everybody did such a great job. I loved working on it. I lo- loved working with Phyllis Naj as the writer director. Yeah, I, she's she is a writer on the script. That the script was written by two other incredible women. Oh, really? Yep. Three people. Three people. How'd that happen? Different versions? Yeah. Well, yes. The yeah. the duo that wrote it. Yeah. We is what brought Phyllis to the table, and Phyllis directed it. She directed a Mrs. Harris back in the day with Annette Bening, uh-huh. I think for HBO, right? So technically has done a feature, but it was on TV, so they yeah. count that. Yeah. But, so this was her directorial feature debut. Okay. But she's incredibly talented. And, really? Yeah. The thing about the movie, though, is that I know, when did you, when do you think you became politically active? Like as a I was gr- pretty young. Really? Yeah. Because I remember you speaking about, I, I don't know if I saw it somewhere, but the concern was- you know, for you, during the election, during you know, v- v- voting activism, that we yeah. can't that the Supreme Court, we, that was the primary issue for you, and reproductive rights. Yes, was the issue you were active around, mm-hmm. and now we have this movie as as a sort of a warning, but now the deed is done. When when this movie was made, had it happened yet? No. No, uh, no. Uh, Dobbs, the Dobbs decision was just this summer, and we made the film uh, well over a year ago. And and I read the script, bef- you know, in like 2018 or something. Yeah. So the script exi- had existed for a long time. And when I first read the script, I remember thinking, oh, this will be, this is like an amazing way to sort of honor these revolutionary women in Chicago yeah. and tell a little bit of history that maybe people don't know about. Because when I read the script, I didn't know about the Janes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I thought, okay, this is like a cool movie that, and it kind of aligns with my value system. Yeah. And I'm interested. And now that the Dobbs decision has happened, you know, it just feels like we've created like a mirror for society. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Guess what? The guess what America looked like before Roe v. Wade got passed. Women in a lot of desperate situations, and um, doing surgery. And doing surgery. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. I couldn't like these procedures. Yeah. That they, it was just this kind of, the whole thing with the doctor who yeah. wasn't a doctor, that I, did, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And then just women learning how to do this procedure in apartments. Yeah. But you have to remember, there's a history for 10,000 years of human beings where women handled all that stuff. Sure. Women were did reproductive health care, right? Like yeah. we had midwives and doulas right. and all that whole practice that very slowly, one of the things I really kind of studied in preparing for this movie was those practices. You know, I have a really good friend um, who's a midwife and um, who basically is like a practicing OB for all intents and yeah. purposes. You know, she's an RN yeah. and practices midwifery. And sh- she knows the history of 
midwifery, it's incredible to think about how basically the patriarchy was like, you know what? We want to control that. You yeah. Know what I mean? yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, right. From now on, if you want to deliver a baby, you have to be a doctor. Right. But you know who can go to medical school? Only men. Right. Right. Yeah. And so suddenly it was like, wait, 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 what? And now, and then, you know, women were basically getting drugged up and told to be quiet, no screaming and get in this room, make it easy for the doctor to deliver the baby. Right. And the doctor was a guy. Right. And it's just, you think like, think about how that just slowly got taken away from women as like, well, no, no, no. Like we will take care of you. It's too dangerous for you to do it. Meanwhile, they weren't washing their hands yet. You know, women were still dying all the time yeah, during yeah, childbirth. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I don't think it improved the maternal mortality rate sure. when we just handed it over to like dudes. Yeah. And I find that fascinating that that was just something that all of a sudden, like women weren't allowed to handle. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, we still have all these rules and regulations and everything. And look, I'm I'm happy to have safe safety standards sure. in place for yeah. things. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, like, you could just have a baby at home with yeah. your friend sure. delivering it. Like yeah. that can happen. My my friend's wife's a doula. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that I think about. So when the women in this story just decided to perform the abortions themselves, it was a part of a long tradition and history of women caring for women in well, those I mean, but circumstances. What, but what did you know about, I mean, I imagine that terminating pregnancies has always been part of them. Always. Of, yeah. How did they do it back in the day? I mean, mushrooms, oh, teas. Yeah, mostly <laughs> physical pain. Yeah, of, pain, punch in the gut. I don't know. I yeah. wasn't there. I know. I'm just curious if you, um, yeah, we, we we're saying that women have been part of healthcare for this long. I just wonder yeah. if there, what were the other methods? Well, we you have to remember that. that women always had to plan their families. Like when you read uh, the history of it too, I mean, it goes all the way back to yeah. like nomads. So if a woman had, you know, a mother carrying her baby and had yeah. to pick up the whole camp and like, now they're going to migrate somewhere. Well, if she's just had the baby. Yeah. She now can't get pregnant right away. Right. She doesn't want a second baby right, right away because she can't carry two. Right. So there was always family planning. Right. Sure, right. Of there was always yeah. this sense right. of like, I'm gonna, you know, make yeah. sure I'm gonna have one, and then two years later, I'm another one, and da da da. And also, it preserved your health. Yeah. Right. Sure. And your physical health. Yeah. And people died during childbirth. So yeah. like, if you were an important woman in your tribe, maybe you don't have. Th- 20 kids. Well, I mean, that's something <laughs> that's know? obviously going to happen again, the dying in childbirth because of this. Well, our, our maternal mortality rate for a country as wealthy as the United States is terrible, especially for black women in the South. It's <sighs> like you, a black woman in the South is three times more likely to die during childbirth than a white lady. And, you know, all of these abortion bans, they all disproportionately affect women of color and poor people. And it's all terrible. You know. I and, and I thought in the movie you handled that sort of patriarchal thing w- w- well, mm-hmm. or they the writing did you know, in terms of these large rooms of men making yeah. decisions, looking at you. And I thought that your sort of kind of conversion into activism in the movie was you know very honestly played. Yeah, because like you would be the least likely candidate in a way. Totally. I mean, I, I say that all, you know, we, we talk about that. Like, this is a character, the character I played Joy in the movie. Not somebody who thinks she's ever going to seek out abortion health care. Yeah. Right? right. This yeah. is not something on her yeah. radar at right. all. Right. Um, but when her life is in danger, when she has to choose life or death for herself, yeah. 
she's pretty clear yeah. in choosing her life. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And staying around to mother her kid. And, and also the men were just sort of like, nah. Yeah. The men were just like, nah. Yeah. We don't really care what happens to you. It's kind of, and that's what's happening. That's, oh yeah, that's been happening. I mean, that's the, I mean, that is what's happening all the time. <laughs> but now, like, with it outlawed in, in so many states, I yeah. mean, it's, that's right back where it was. Absolutely. We, I, I also think the film helps recenter pregnant people as the people who have, should have their rights. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me, like these women, as long as there have been pregnant people, there have been people who have not wanted to be pregnant. So abortion bans do not get rid of abortion. They just make abortion harder, harder to and access unsafe. and put people exactly in more unsafe situations and more desperate situations, yeah. they drain people's bank and, and they steal people's time and energy and, uh, you know, emotions. I mean, it's just, it's, it, there's nothing healthy or life affirming about an abortion ban, in my opinion. No, it's terrible. Yeah. And it's like, and, and now there's like, it, I don't know if it doesn't seem like it's going the way of the Janes, but it seems like there's an underground network oh. of abortion pills I, going I don't even, on. It's not even underground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, there's, there's tons. The Bridget Alliance is, I mean, if you're out there and you're looking for abortion care, you can, you can find these abortion funds. Yeah. Um, they'll, they help people get bus tickets and childcare and take the day off from, I mean, they're, they're really helping people access yeah, yeah, the healthcare yeah. that they need. And, you know, more, um, there are more, the, the majority of women seeking abortion healthcare are already moms. Yeah. Right? So these are women who are fully aware of what pregnancy does to their body. Yeah. Um, and they're, and they're fully aware of the emotional, psychological and financial toll of raising kids, they are family planning. Right? Yeah, that's what they're doing. Right, they're going. Wait a minute, I got two kids. And by the way, every time you have a kid, it's a gamble, right? Yeah. Like everybody knows that. Right. Who? By the way, we don't have health care for that. Just yeah. FYI. Yeah. So like, you have a baby that has some sort of birth defect. Are you going in the hole for a million bucks? Like, I don't understand. Like, you know what I mean? And then just putting that decision, yeah, yeah. taking that decision away from somebody who's yeah. actually going to be responsible for everything that comes after the birth of the baby. Yeah. Is like insane to me. It's like I this know, person yeah. knows this person knows the consequences. Yeah. And I, I can't like I, I guess I've gotten to a point where I can't understand why decisions are are made and supported i don't understand the humanity of it i don't know how you know because it's not it's not just religion you know it's some other fucked up thing well it's control yeah it's not just religion but like but. you look at these men it's sort of like what are you doing like you know and what, women there's a lot of women in the, like the what kind of fucking people movement. are they well i think look there's i mean i don't know i'm not asking you to I'm answer not, it. i mean but like how are you able <laughs> Like, you know, when we're talking at the beginning about, you know, the future. Yeah. What is it that keeps, why Why are you able to maintain hope? Are you just not the kind of person that's totally paranoid and going to let your brain break I from am, fear? <laughs> I, I do not lead a fear-based life. Hmm. For sure I don't. And, and I, um, and that is definitely part of it. And also because I get to tell stories and I know that when you hear a story that rings a little true for you. You know, my character Joy, this is a good example. You know, she goes in, she accesses abortion healthcare through this Jane network that takes care of her. But she's pretty judgmental of people seeking abortions. Sure. And yet, then she starts to hear their stories, right? And 
the stigma around it starts to fall away. Yeah. And that is that to me is is the hope that that people hear the stories and yeah, they yeah. see themselves and they go, wait a minute, I don't want that to happen to my daughter. Yeah. I don't want that to happen to my wife. Well, I think it is a big issue and I think it is an important issue. And I think even if you're, you know, right, it has to be, you have to make them connect to like, well, even if they're like, I don't, I'm too old to have a baby. I'm, this is not going to be my problem. Right. How do you make them empathetic to other women people. whose problem? Right. You got to tell them the story of women who needed healthcare. And couldn't get it. And couldn't get it. And make them real. Like, oh, oh, that's not good. Oh, I don't want that to happen. And also the fact we're the only fucking, I mean, like there are other countries where it's like they don't even think about this. 60 countries in the last, since Roe v. Wade, 60 other countries have liberalized their abortion laws. They've gotten Ireland, better. The, and the church owned it. Yeah. Only four countries have taken those rights away. And it's like Nicaragua, Poland, maybe. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. No, no you know. It's not so great. What is your outside of doing like this movie? How are you involved? Like here we are heading into the midterms and days. Yeah. Are you involved? I, I am involved. I I sit on the creative council. I'm the head of the creative council for the Center for Reproductive Rights, which is the legal organization that's fought for reproductive justice at the Supreme Court level. Uh-huh. Last three times they lost the Dobbs case. Um, but continue now to work at the state level yeah. they they're right now in court literally today trying to block a, a georgia's six-week abortion ban yeah. again um and they'll work to get you know women's reproductive justice which is basically our human rights right. and our equality yeah, yeah, yeah you know enshrined in state constitutions as much as possible like here in california yeah i i just don't like you said before there's no postnatal responsibility no. and like what's going to happen to all these people <laughs> um look I mean, I, I, i've I, done jokes about it in a very cynical way yeah that you know in in terms of these unwanted kids you know hopefully they can end up okay but like the possibility of them ending up okay is not great look, you know it's interesting i i um i have a ho- home in utah and I was in Utah when the Dobbs Utah? decision came yeah. down. Yeah. And um, on the radio there, I was started listening to the Mormons talk about it. Hmm. And interestingly, um, they were saying, someone was saying that an unwanted child is a tragedy. It's a yeah. tragedy all the way around. Yeah. And we don't need tragedies. It's terrible. Um, and that. And that was a Mormon? Yeah. They were real. It was beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautifully said. And also a great reminder that not every religion demonizes abortion yeah. care. Um, Judaism doesn't. Uh-uh. And it's and the Mormons were like, we they didn't, you know, there's a whole thing where like the uh, a baby isn't a baby until they breathe their soul in. Yeah. So they have to actually be born. Yeah. So there was a question whether pre-birth anything is even an issue. Oh, so the soul doesn't <laughs> happen until they yeah, come Yeah, they don't out. have a soul. Wow, they've got you know that's sort of like they pop I'm no out. Expert on Mormonism. No, but I get I'm it. just telling you, I was listening to these really interesting conversations where the Mormons were like, "Hang on a minute, are we what? for this or against this? We're not sure." You like Utah? I do. It's beautiful. It yeah. is, yeah, right. Really beautiful. Yeah, I like to ski. I go there a lot. In the it's where Park City. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did you grow up skiing? I did. In Massachusetts, yeah. Where'd you go in Massachusetts? Like Stowe, Killington? I went or... to my local mountain because um, they had a subsidized program 
after school to try and keep people Monday through Friday at the like local spot. Basquet is where okay. Basquet, Brody, and Jiminy Peak were the three places I grew up going. And Basquet offered after school, like I think it was a ten dollar ticket, lift ticket, and free rentals. Yeah. So oh. suddenly, my my poor family was like, "Yeah, the kids yeah. have something to do. <laughs> it's cheap. <laughs> we can teach them cheap." I learned like my, uh, you know, between my dad's legs for a little while, and then in middle and high school, that was like all the rage. Yeah, I used you were to eleven ski years old, and you could go to the yeah. after school and yeah. night ski when the lights came That's on. That's fun. So fun, and you stuck with it, like cause, like somehow or another, it's become too. It's been too much. It seems aggravating to go skiing to me. <laughs> I think about it like a workout. Do you know what I mean? That's how I think about it. Now. But like I'm, I can't even get through a concert. All right, so like I can't. In in a way, it's what sort of like forty five like, apples and oranges. No, what what my, are you talking I'm about? T- my point is, is that like if I get a ticket to ski all day, uh-huh. I'm good for about half a day. Well, that's fine. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, how many runs do I need? When you're a kid, you're like, let's go back go, up. Yeah. And you're always going back up. But like after two or three runs, I'm like, I think I did it. I think I did <laughs> the day. And now what happens? Well, yeah. I mean, look, the best day is you get in some really hard runs. Yes. So you feel like you really worked it out. Yeah. And then you have a long lunch with maybe a little booze. Right. That's how, and friends. Yep. And, the, and okay. friends so and a great view. Right. And then, and then you go pick the kids up yeah. at some point. You right. go find them. Yeah, a- after it. their day. Home at, at four thirty the... in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> so you live by the ski area. I do. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Because I grew up in New Mexico, and people live up in Taos and stuff. Yeah. So, all right. Now, do you like doing the game show thing? Oh man, I love it. I mean, because you're like you're really good at it, and it's Aww. fun. Is it fun? It is the most fun. It's exhausting work. We do a lot of shows in a day. What's it called again? Press Your Luck. Yeah. Press Your Luck. But well, no, I, it's so weird that these big movie stars are doing game shows. You know, it's interesting because I, yeah, I um, I just love, I grew up on game shows. Oh, yeah. I was a latchkey kid, right? Yeah. So like we came home after school. I watched Press Your Luck, the original Peter Tamarkin, you know, whammy yeah. with my sister. We would watch it. Yeah. And, um. I loved it. So when the opportunity came, it's me. It's my personality. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> like, you know, I don't pretend to have some, I don't know, highfalutin person. Yeah. I'm just like, I love, I like people. I yeah. like meeting people. I love giving them life-changing cash and yeah. prizes. Who right. doesn't love that? It's like the yeah. best yeah. thing. And all I, they have to do is hit the button and you know, and it's, it's, easy it's all about risk taking. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's wild the personalities, you know, who's yeah. gonna push and who's not gonna push. Yeah. But I mean the rules of it. I hosted a game show once that was some sort of like improvisational game show that didn't have any real stakes. It came <laughs> over from England. It was called Never Mind the Buzzcocks. <laughs> and I did the American version and I couldn't even wrap my brain around the fucking game. <laughs> So like, there's like somewhere there's footage of me hosting like twelve of those things, and I don't even know what's happened. <laughs> I will say, I did. You do have to do a lot of work beforehand, like just getting down. Like, wait, now what happens after this round? Do I go to commercial? Right? Does this person spin first, or who spins first? Yeah, I I do have to remind myself of all of those little details. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and, and I couldn't. I just couldn't. Cut it. <laughs> it never went anywhere. It's the weirdest thing. I did so many of them for VH1, like 12 of them for the, when they were re-sort of inventing VH1 yeah. with me and Galifianakis. Oh, and, so fun. But he did a talk show that went nowhere, and I did a game show. No, like no one saw the game show. And I don't even know if there's footage of it. 
It's well, crazy. It's somewhere. Well, I, I'm, I'm not unhappy about it. <laughs> it's like one of these great You don't great want it gifts. unearthed? <laughs> no, I was just happy to leave with the suits. Yeah. And the suits, yes. Yeah. Can I keep the clothes? Can I keep? Then this wasn't a complete loss. <laughs> Where are you wearing suits? I'm not wearing any suits. <laughs> not anymore. I mean, I, I bought a black suit for the black suit stuff. I have one suit. Yeah. You, everyone needs the black suit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Not a tux. Suit. No, no, no. A suit. It's, for yep. the, it's for funerals. And, and, and other, award shows. That's yeah, the funny thing. Important <laughs> award shows and funerals. <laughs> the good and the bad. Those are the rituals that we're doing that you wear a suit to at this point. So what the directing thing, do you love that? I do really enjoy it. Yeah. And it, you know, now you're kind of a pro, right? You feel confident? I feel I'm putting in my 10,000 hours. That's a lot of hours. More, you yeah. know, like, well, that's what they say when you feel. Yeah, I know. I feel less it and less. seems like a lot of hours. I, I feel don't, I don't, less and less like an imposter. Okay. Right? Like the imposter syndrome, that's fading away. And I'm feeling like, you know, I actually kind of know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. That's that good. That's good. That's it's all about, confident. It's all about having that good DP, right? Uh, you got to have a great crew across the board. It's yeah. not just the DP. Right. I mean, you got to have well, great oh, ADs. The ADs oh, yeah. do the whole oh, schedule. They're the whole I mean, thing. Yeah. The AD that's in the, the, the place, they the gotta, set AD. They got to run it. They run the whole thing. Yeah. It's a very specific personality. It's kind of wild. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. But the it seems to me like the DP thing, because I I've I directed a couple episodes of my show, but it doesn't really count when you're in it because it's hard. Because yeah. then you're just sort of like, do I look all right? Can I look at it? Do I need to? Okay, <laughs> let's just move on then. <laughs> you got to trust somebody. Yeah. But like, it just seems to me that, like, because I don't understand, like Lynn knew about lenses yeah. and about, you know, overs and two shots and all yes. that shit. But like, you see, it, really, if you want to direct, you could just really go, like, have, if you have a really good DP, you could be like, do you think, what do you think we should do here? That sounds good. You okay. could do that. Um, <laughs> I don't. I. It's not my favorite way to work as an actor. Is it your favorite way, way to work as an actor? Is when the was when the director comes to set and is like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, no, they never ask the the actor, but it just seems like. <laughs> but you get a feeling when they don't do, know what they're doing. Do you know lenses and stuff? Are you good with that now? I'm pretty good with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm all right. We're going to use a, a whatever for but, this. Well. I like to I like to shot list and yeah. I like to storyboard yeah. and I, I love preparation. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. all about the prep. I yeah, feel yeah. like the shoot is like the test yeah. and I like to get A's on tests. <laughs> so I do a lot of yeah. studying beforehand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, a, you know, I'm very prepped. Yeah. But sometimes it's not a lens. It's like, I want it to feel like that, right? I want to be with yeah. the character. Yeah. Well, that's a close up. When right. you say that language, sure. you're talking about a close up. And how up. you handle, the, well, you're dealing with kids too. I did. Ha yeah, we had some kids in this one. Yeah. Well, how do you do? Like, you know, how are you as an actor's director? Do you uh, what? I what do you bring? My, I love actors. Yeah, but how do you like? How do you like as an actor? How do you deal? Like, are you? I probably give too many line readings. Oh, you do. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I do. Some actors don't care, and others do, and that's really what I find for directors. That's the other thing is like everybody has their own process. You got to figure out what their process is a little bit. You know, and and you can't give up your entire process because yeah, yeah, yeah. you still have to figure out you're making the movie. Sure. But you do have to, you know, everybody works a little differently. Yeah. And I, I try to honor as much as I can how the actor, what, right. what they're bringing to it, yeah, you know, yeah, what yeah. their expectation is. Yeah. What do they need to get the best performance? Yeah. Did you like working with Sigourney Weaver? Loved. I, t I, I talked to her. She's yeah. A, yeah. She's oh, yeah. I listened to it. What am I saying? Of course. Like, you just uh, had her not yeah, that yeah. long ago. Yeah. Yeah. She's very level. Very level. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? She's definitely got all her hours in. Let me tell you. Well, that's the She's thing about pro. the hour thing. Isn't that weird though? Like that guy Malcolm Gladwell. That it's his idea, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of hours. If you really break it down, oh. it's a lot of fucking hours. Yes. Like you're going to be like, you know, fifty years old. Like I, I always think about it. Like, did I put ten thousand hours in? That's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours. But it, that's only like if you, that's if it. you want to be the best at something. You know, look, you're probably you're going to get close on podcasting. I mean, you know, and and on being on the road, you I probably you have true. ten thousand hours of stand up. Yeah, you, you would think do. to put ten thousand hours. I've done like almost fourteen hundred of these podcasts. All right, so they run about you know with talking to people. That's still like fourteen. Let's say it's sixteen hundred hours. Yes, but in order to get ten thousand hours of podcasting. <laughs> You're not you're not giving yourself enough credit. Maybe but just, you had to watch my movie before. That was no, two hours okay, of your I, life. Okay, so you that have counts. To prep, of course. Okay. You have to edit afterwards. Yeah. Like you don't just well, show don't, up and yeah. chit chat and like you are creating this whole show. This whole I, okay, entire you're scenario. Right. All right. So like you're saying that you know driving to the gig. I, are you thinking about the gig on the drive? Probably. Well, then you're working. Well, yeah, aren't you're you? sort of like what's the <laughs> hotels? Where which hotel are we staying at? <laughs> that might be does account. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count. So what um when you did Charlie's Angels? Yeah. Why? Um I loved the idea of, of another one is this would be the third or the fourth. Which I mean like of the Charlie's Angels movies? Well, yeah, I mean like it was it like it's it's almost the era that we grew up in or that yes, like, even with absolutely. that with the game show thing that there is a a nostalgia market. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And that was sort of a very, you know, now seemingly camp undertaking, the Charlie's Angels. Yes. When you think about, like, the hair and the th- oh, that era. So how much of it was your decision to do that, to do the movie? Well, I I wrote the movie. So it was all your decision. <laughs> I produced the movie. Yeah, I got my name on there four times. So I, I can't deny I had a lot of control over yeah. the, over you yeah. know, making that movie. But you had the idea, you're like, it's time to make another Charlie's. I did want, I knew they had the, I was brought into Sony on a general meeting and they talked to me about something else. And the executive brought up, and you know, we have Charlie's Angels if you ever want to do anything with that. And I was like, ooh, wait a minute. And then, you know, I went home and I kind of had an idea. And then yeah. I was like, I think I do want to do that. Yeah. And then, like, it took like five years till we made it. Yeah. And at that point, I was very invested. And I loved my actors. Yeah. I had Kristen Stewart, who I think is one of the greatest of her generation. She's great. And just stunning and, and a surprise. Did you like that movie, Spencer? Surprising in the movie. Did you watch I did. I did. Well, I, I loved did her performance. I, th- I liked the movie. I like those weird kind of I poetic do I do too. meditations. On, like, I like the Marilyn movie. I don't give a fuck what anybody does. Yeah, I did too. That was crazy, that movie. I think those are, I think they're really, Jackie really O movie was good. Mm-hmm. They, those are the three of a kind. Anyway, so yeah. So you yeah. like your actors. Five years. Yeah, five years. So you're like, you're kind of pregnant with it, as they say in the business, right? That's why I never set out to direct or anything like that. <laughs> why? Because it's sort of like it's gonna take that long to you know you like. Well, you, it's not like I wasn't doing other things you well, know, that's along true. the that's way. Okay. I, uh, I have obviously. a lot of other. You no, know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pokers okay. in the fire. So. so you got people working on stuff, and you yeah, and you know, and you go to some meetings, and you think like it's never gonna happen, right. and then over time you realize, oh, it might actually happen, and then like you really start gearing up, and then like you're in Berlin, Germany, and you're making the movie, you know, yeah, and it's happening. It, yeah. it, it gets it it, ha- it took on a life of its own at a certain point where you're just like, all right, the train's moving, and we're leaving the station and let's go yeah 
And it didn't do well or it did? It did not do well on opening weekend, but yeah. it's it's beloved kind of, by a lot of people. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and they all email you. Oh, they do. You know what? I, it's interesting. I went to see it on opening weekend. Yeah. You know, I you know you can like go and hop around theaters uh-huh. sometimes, see sure. how the audience yeah. is doing it. And I sat behind this group of young women, um, mostly uh, girls of color. Yeah. I have a black angel and a um, an, a woman of um, Asian yeah. descent right. in there, an yeah. Indian woman. Uh huh. And these girls were on having like their birth. It was like a thirteen-year-old's birthday party. Yeah. And they were all at Charlie's Angels for the birthday party, and they were all in the in the row, and then there were a couple moms behind them, and they loved the movie. They had the best time, and they laughed at all the places I wanted them to laugh. Right. And, you know, they clapped and they loved it. And like, that's why you do it. Yeah. You do it for that. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's half of it. Yeah. That, uh, it seems like, you know, with the Pitch Perfect and the Charlie's Angels, it's like, you know, making young people enjoy their time is good. Yeah. And then you do Call Jane and that's making, you know, grownups understand, you know, what we're up against. <laughs> <laughs> I... I st- also aimed to entertain with that one too. Well, you no, know, of course like it's always entertain. And really, if you, if you can be, I like to call it being quietly revolutionary. Mm. Right, like there's always something a little revolutionary in what I'm doing. You know, Pitch Perfect. If you think about the poster for Pitch Perfect, I mean, we weren't. You don't see posters with you know eight eight women on the poster. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. does don't exist. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. not a thing in Hollywood. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, this is these stories about that many women working together to solve a problem. Right. They're hard to find those. There's a couple of movies coming out soon that are going to be heavy. Did you see the, are those, the women talking movie? The yeah, Sarah I'm excited about that. I love Sarah Polly. She's filmmaker. great. Did you see it? Did you see it? I have not seen it. No, and and what about the other it. one about the, uh, about the reporters? Oh, Zoe. she said. Yeah. yeah. Did you see that? No. Nope. Don't you get But by legs? the way, I, I, I've been... De- Busy talking okay. to you. All right. I can't watch everything either. I know. I can't wait to go on vacation. I watch them all when I go to vacation. You're waiting for your screeners? Yeah. Well, it's all on. Everything's digital now. It's the best. Oh, really? They don't send. I guess they don't send them anymore. No, you don't even have to wait for the DVDs. They just, it's all gets downloaded. <sighs> Bam. Well, you're such a good actress. Thanks. Because you can do all the stuff. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I prefer the comedies, though. When's a new comedy coming? I don't know. Nobody puts me in comedy. What's anymore. the beanie bubble? Oh yeah, that's funny. I forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I just see a name on there. I'm like, I'm well, at, I don't know when that's coming. I'm out. looking at beanie bubble. I'm like, that can't be serious. No, me and Zach Galifianakis. No, really, you yeah. and Galifianoodles? Yeah, Galifianoodles is in that with me. <laughs> what's he doing? That's the, what is that that's about? How he, what's, what he goes by too? Um, he was great. We had such a good time together. What's it about? It's about the beanie baby craze. In oh. the ni- early nineties, okay. and the when it all burst. I mean, you know, you remember people thought that if they bought those things, yeah. that it was like a great investment. Oh yeah, <laughs> remember? Yeah, and people were making hundreds of thousands of dollars off of those beanie off babies. Of beanie babies. Yeah, it was they were like little a, commodities. Right. Collectors market. Yep, exactly. It was the rise of eBay. Yeah, right. It was at the same time as these little you, beanie babies. So, oh, so this is about the beanie crash. It's about the crash, <laughs> the beanie bubble bursting. Who made who? Who came up with that movie? 
that it was based on a book too. There was a great book about it, about uh-huh. that whole time, that era. And the, you know, and Ty Warner, who's the founder, still alive yeah. in Chicago, billionaire. The beanie guy? Yeah. Guy's a, that guy's got a B. He's a billionaire? Yeah. From Beanie Babies? Yeah. Well, and other things. Tie, you know that little tag, the TY tag, it's on a heart. Yeah. And that guy's, it's big business. My kids have some tie stuff. I mean, you know, they're like huh. really cute. Not right now, they're all about these big eyes. Oh. These little so that's his creatures. Thing. Of it. Yes. Billionaire. He, yeah. And he did some things right. I guess. If you want a billion dollars, <laughs> you want the responsibility of it. I like to think of myself as somebody who... Uh, you could have the billion, but it'd be too much. Yeah, I just want to stay at this level. Yeah, yeah. The course. next level, it seems like you can only hang out with certain people. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true, though. It's kind of true. No, you can always. I don't know. If, I mean, I just remember where I'm from, and then I just hang out with people. I don't yeah. know. Keep it. Do you keep hang out real. with Reese Witherspoon? Not very often. Hmm. Who are your buddies? Who are you asking about? My famous buddies or my actual buddies? Well, yeah. First name, actual buddies. I have a lot of actual buddies. From back in the day? I do. Have yeah. some very old friends. I mean, the the people that I like to travel with and stuff, although I went... <clears throat> you travel with people? I went this summer on an amazing vacation um, with school friends. From college? Like the, no, elementary school friends. Like, my kids became friends with other kids, and oh, then okay. I met the parents, oh, okay. and I was like, yeah, I like you. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't, you know, as you're as an adult, yeah, it's not that easy to make new friends. I know it's hard, especially so when your kids are little, especially. Yeah. So I tell people I, who have little kids, they're like, I never leave the house. I have a three year old, you know, and it's, it's terrible. And I, it, it is, it's not great. Yeah, no, it's not great for your social life. Yeah, to have a three year old, but once they're in school all day, and, and you they see do these the women for years, and, yeah. And then you're in your, you're like every, you know, drop off. You're like, hey. And then you kind of maybe have a coffee. And then the next thing you know, you're kind of traveling. Well, and you're doing because you have a lot in common all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, that's what you forget. That's what makes people friends. Oh, so that's (laughs) a new friend thing. Common experiences. I have no kids. (laughs) And uh, I don't, uh, you know, I just do comedy. I'm not going to meet anybody. You'll have your old friends from comedy. I have a couple old friends. You have some old friends from comedy. All right, so what what happens now? What happens today? What are you working on right now? I'm in still in post on Cocaine Bear. Oh, so you got to go look at. Uh, I'm gonna go look. At, I'm gonna get. We're in color timing. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're color timing that film and getting it ready, ready for uh, for release. Is it in sad February. to see Ray? It is sad to see Ray. Was I he loved, done so shooting Ray, when he passed? Yes, he was. Yeah, but I had just seen him. He'd just done ADR. So I'd just seen him. He'd come in. We'd <sighs> hugged. He was telling me about his summer plans. He was going down to make this movie in the Dominican. That's where he passed away. What happened? He just died of a heart attack? Well, I don't like to tell someone right, else's right. story. Do you know what I mean? It's I not my it. story I just, to tell. I don't but, know. I have all the details. But I, I do have the details. And yeah, I mean, he went basically. to sleep and he didn't wake up, basically. It's the best way. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> the way we all want to go. No shit. That's it. Oh my God! So you're just doing that? You're doing post on that? I'm doing post on that. I'm promoting called Jane. Yeah, that's what we did. That's what we're doing. Do we yeah. do that thoroughly? I don't know. Sure. I feel yes, like people should see the movie. I, um, I thought it was a good movie. Thank you. I'm re- yeah. I'm really happy with it, and I am. Um, and now I'm back finally in like mom mode. But today's Halloween. Happy Halloween to those thank who you. celebrate. Do you, now what did you carve? We sh- we sure did. We carved. You did. Yeah, I actually, have a I have a fat lip from. I <laughs> I was putting a stencil on the um, 
pumpkin and I went to rip a piece of tape with my mouth and the tape stuck Paper on cut. my the tape oh. stuck on my and ripped part of my lip off. Oh my god. Yeah, those are the little things Ste- that can happen. Pumpkin stencils? Pumpkin stencils, yes. Yeah, so you can make it look real pro on the pumpkin with the I, stencil. Really? Oh yeah. But mm-hmm. do you cut the Then you use the stencil as like an outline and then and you, you cut? Yeah. All the way through? Yes, all the way through. What does that mean? You're carving the pumpkin, of course. No, I know, but like I see some pretty pro jobs, <laughs> and they look like there's some. It's like partial way through, and then all the way through. And oh, a, you mean yes, because you can like shadow yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm not that level. Yeah, no. I got two pumpkins sitting out there. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna. I'm like, <laughs> I can't, I thought I was gonna carve them, but now I'm just sort of like, they get the idea. <laughs> right. It's I just want pumpkin. them to know I have candy. I do like that they glow. My yeah, ki- no, and my yeah, it's, it's nice. something to do with the kids. My kids love it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, because like they come around here. Did you see across the street? Oh, your neighborhood's excellent. It's crazy. L.A. is this is the biggest holiday in L.A. I tell people this all over because yeah. we have all the best. You know, uh, it's all the the production oh, yeah, the designers. People. Yeah, the guy across and the, the street. hair and makeup people it's and the, the biggest gig of his year literally is over there. There, there's there they've got things. Uh, you know. In the in the basement that none of us can dream yeah, of, and yeah. they just bring it all out Waiting and put it up. It. Yeah, and Inflate they know how it. to do it all right. You know, light it. Yeah. All the lighting design. The, I don't. The guy across the street's got a, every year. It's a theme. Oh, like last so year, it was an operating room with skeletons. <laughs> yes. And this year, there's a tent. It's a camping theme. Of course. <laughs> This is why I mean people put so much energy into it here. It's really amazing. And Maybe excellent. They, they've been out of work for a while. I don't even think that. I think they really. Yeah. Well, the neighborhood starts to come to expect it too, don't you think? Oh yeah. Like, They're, wouldn't you be pissed if that guy didn't put something up? Sure. My old neighborhood, <laughs> there was two. It was not, but it definitely wasn't a Hollywood undertaking. <laughs> but it, there was two. There was two houses next to each other that were clearly competing. Oh yeah. During Christmas and Halloween, it was just this shit show of stuff, <laughs> lights and ghouls. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, uh, it brings well, me joy. So. What kind of candies did you buy? Uh, you know, I don't buy chocolate because in LA it's actually hot and things melt. Interesting. Yeah. So I got uh, some dots. I got some Skittles, a lot of Skittles. Mm. I like a Skittle. You do? Yeah. Hmm. Tootsie Rolls. Yeah. Um, Dum Dums. I love those lollipops. Okay. Pretty good. Things like that. That's huh. what I got. I got. I went all chocolate, but now I'm nervous. Well. I went I went Reese's. Yes. The Twix. Best. Yum. Kit Kat. Love it. Snickers. Can't get enough. The best ones. <laughs> All the best. You got to go watch that nut allergy, though, with those Snickers. Well, they know. It's not on me. <laughs> <laughs> you tell your kid. I'm not going to. What is it like a, I don't do I don't I don't deal with the nut allergy very well either. What do you what are you gonna I'm do? I'm just like, come on, really? Yeah. Like, you like are you gonna like trick or treat? Do you have any allergies? <laughs> no, exactly. All right. Good talking <laughs> to you again. Oh, you're the best. You are. We barely touched on anything. I feel what are you like. talking about? I don't know. What do you feel like we missed? We went pretty thoroughly into abortion politics, into the well, we got into the movie. Yeah. We talked about uh, you directing yes. fairly that, thoroughly. That, that I can tell you're very interested in. I we, appreciate that. Yeah, we did the. Uh, we talked about the cocaine bear, the whole story. Cocaine bear, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, it goes by about, too fast. Mark. We talked about Jews. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What well, kind of a lot? Your kids getting bar mitzvahed. You've got yeah, a kid down happening. the hall speaking in the in the ancient tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Happening? Mm-hmm. That's happening down the That's hall. It's going to be happening, yeah. yeah. So, where, oh, so the grandparents really Jewish? Yes. Okay. I mean, yes and yes. It's a course. cultural thing, you know, and it's important now to, to like, <laughs> I was, like, I can't, it's weird because 
I'm not that religious certainly anymore, but I'm culturally Jewish. And like every time I do a special, yeah. I really hit this like Jew tone just to make <laughs> people who don't like Jews mad. Like I would want to poke at them with Jew stuff. And I'm doing it again. And I got to go to Oklahoma and Texas. And, yeah, and now like it's it. midterms. I'm like, what if I want to just paint a target on myself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, you can't live, can't live in fear. But you can't can shut the fuck it. up. You know, I like, no. you know, but for me, I'm just sort of like, you're I want- be, You mean you're being too provocative, you think, even? Well, yeah, I you, literally say, you know, look, as a your Jew- your existence is provocative exactly. to certain people. I, I will say, I'll, I'll say this on stage, I'll say, I just want you to know, as a Jew, we will replace you. <laughs> goes over, it goes over great. Kills, kills, <laughs> except for the two people that are like- Exactly, that are like, to, yeah, that's yeah, the that's, conspiracy yeah. theory I subscribe exactly. to. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've, Their I've brains are broken. It, that is true, and they're not coming back. <laughs> How do you no. fix that? How do you fix whatever the fuck has happened? I say that exact thing, that their brains are broken and they're irretrievable. Uh, often irretrievable, yeah. But I do, I mean, I don't know. You got it. Mm. They, they, they're, they're also probably surround, not surrounded by, you know, they don't know nice, you know, yeah. Jews. I guess so. But <laughs> it's just where they're getting their information and how That's it's it. getting them worked up. Yes. But also, yeah, but then I think, why, why again, living in fear, what are they afraid of the Jews are going to do? To yeah. them, literally. What are they afraid of? They are living in fear, they, period, full stop. Well, they think it, that it's a control thing, that they're secretly They're going to be controlled. Are they? I, I got some bad news for you. We what? invented Jesus. <laughs> he, he was a Jew. <laughs> yeah. And, what? But, but I, I constantly am like, I want you to sit in your home this morning and make your cup of coffee and drive your car yes. and walk down the street yes. and go to your shop sure. and go to the bar. Right. And I want you to think about all the the, the control that's being, what are you talking about? Yeah, and what does it you're mean? You're getting it's, up, you're going to work, you're living your life. It kind of ties you're into- You're paying your taxes. Like, but it ties into socialism and communism. Exactly. And all this, you know, and like you, a money thing. Yeah. And then now with Hollywood, they're really kind of pushing the, you know, they've got our brains fucked. You know, the Jews. It's like, look, you know, we just- we know how to make movies. What do yeah, you we're just entertaining you. <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? Look over here. All right. Well, now that we figured that out, I think we covered everything <laughs> except for you didn't give me one name of one famous friend. <laughs> oh my goodness. Fine. You still want a famous friend? I just want to know like who you are okay, laughing who, with. I love Melissa McCarthy. Ah, see. There you now, go. Now, now, and her I, husband Ben. There That's how go. I met her through her husband Ben. And you guys ha go to have dinner parties and stuff. Yes, we. How do. hilarious is that? Yes, we do. See, that makes me happy. That's mm -hmm. entertaining me. And I don't think you divulge anything. It's That's like true. now we know, like you, Elizabeth Banks and Melissa McCarthy are just hanging out, eating, and sometimes. You know, that's that's the best. Yeah. Occasionally, I will, uh, I will, I will have uh, food with Jeff Ross. I love I love Jeff Ross. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally we'll be I'm at the comedy fan. store and he doesn't know how to cook, so he has to eat out all the time. <laughs> so we'll go we'll go to Craig's, which I never go to. Though part of me thinks Love I need Craig's. to go there. Of course. But like part of me is sort of like, do I need to be part of this? Do I need to do I need I to I go be... to Craig's because they have the best spaghetti squash dish in LA. But do you so but good. you probably live close by. I'm a I'm across town over no, here. No, I yeah, I'm not that close to Craig's either. All right. It's not a place I, I, I don't it's not easy to go, Here's but when I go me. I'm it's delicious. Yeah, I always enjoy it. And I and I've sat with Craig because I go with Ross. Love Craig, yeah. But like, you know, I don't I never know if I'm at the level so where if, if I go in, will I be taken care of? Well what does that mean? You know what it means. No. You gotta pay your bill. 
No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like if I called and I said, it's Mark uh, Maron, can, can I, get, I a, get a... Right. Am I on that list? Minus Jeff Ross? Right. Donna. Exactly. <laughs> and that bothers me. <laughs> you know what, though? The hierarchy is everywhere. There's always somebody I'm bigger and better. Bono could always show up. That's right. right. Yeah. Bono could always show up. I like the stories where they, the, whoever's working the door, they don't know them. And, 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 That's the best. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. See, that was fun. I love her. Uh, Call Jane, the movie that she's in, is playing in theaters now. And could you please hang out for a minute? I'll, 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 I'll lighten up. I'll lighten up. Hey, I'm back. Here's today's suggestion for an archive episode you can now listen to for free. Episode 838 with Jennifer Lawrence. She's got a new movie out this week on Apple TV Plus called Causeway, but this talk with her is from 2018 when she just spent the past five years at the peak of fame and was dealing with the ramifications of that. Where do you live? In fancy area? Yeah, I live up in a big mansion up in Beverly Hills, obviously. <laughs> By yourself in a big mansion? <laughs> yeah. Do you, have, uh, do you have servants and people? Um, uh, honest, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, one, one guy, one, one servant, one, <laughs> one person who lives there all the time. Horrible. No, no, no. Nobody lives there. Just Nobody. me and my dog, Pippi. But you have somebody come over and do things. Yeah. You have an assistant. You're, you're full yeah. Hollywood, right? I'm full Hollywood. Yeah. Like, did you I'm have, fully staffed. Did you put your own makeup on this morning? I did. Oh, the, it looks very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not like that. No, know, not that, that bad. Yeah. You, I just you... have a security guard outside and didn't drive myself. <laughs> But he's not. But he's, other than that, I'm totally normal. But he's not your regular guy. No, I don't know who he that worked, guy is. Yeah, he, he could be a murderer. Right, he was just here. Know. Right, he's here. He said he was a security guard. Yeah. I believed him. But you don't know him. I don't know him. Should we call the authorities? <laughs> <laughs> no, he said he works for the film movie company. Why don't I just start screaming and let's see what he does? Let's not do that because <laughs> I, you know either way I'm going to have to explain something. Yeah, not in this climate. No, it, exactly. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't need that. You can listen to that episode now for free in any podcast app as part of the large back catalog we've released. If you want older episodes like the first one I did with Elizabeth Banks back in 2013, you can sign up for any tier of WTF+. Plus. Just go to the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF+. Plus. All right. I'm at Largo this Thursday, November 10th. Uh, running the hour. I'm in Long Beach, California at the Carpenter Performing Arts Center this Saturday, November 12th. Eugene, Oregon at the Holt Center for the Performing Arts on Friday, November 18th. Bend, Oregon at the Tower Theater on Saturday, November 19th. Asheville, North Carolina at the Orange Peel for two shows on Friday, December 2nd. And then Nashville, Tennessee. I'm at the James K. Polk Center on Saturday, December 3rd. And my HBO special taping is at Town Hall in New York City on Thursday, December 8th. Two shows.
Monkey and the Fonda Cat Angels everywhere. <laughs> 